0: there's a couple of things that you lie to yourself or I lie to myself about. One was that moving isn't that big of a deal after you've done it so many times. And it just gets worse every time. And the other is that there's always like over the holidays, when I have some extra time, I'm going to do this other thing. I think two years ago it was, I was going to start doing, um, what do you call that stained glass? Oh yeah. I have all the materials. I have the first pattern I'm going to do. I just never cut anything. And then this year, when I moved in this new office, I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll hook up one of those little mini Super Nintendos to the TV, mm. and when I have a break sometime over lunch or whatever, I'll just play some old games." And it's in a closet; <laughs> and I never used it. Yeah, we have
1: a Raspberry Pi that we put Nintendo and Super Nintendo and like some old arcade games on. It's pretty
2: fun. Do you play it actually, though?
1: Periodically, okay.
2: Yeah, I yeah. feel like it has to be like it has to be raining for me to feel like I can't go outside and to know. That's the only way, like if it's a nice day, I'm like, I can't justify staying in the house playing games. I need to,
0: I need to leave. You're, you're going to be such a good mother, Jackie. <laughs> <That's like
2: laughs> well, it's very, 108 here today. So I can
0: always justify staying inside.
2: Oh no. Yeah. Or I, not like to, I think it's just working from home. Even my husband and I were watching our nephew this weekend and we're like, all right, let's buy tickets to the airplane museum. And my sister-in-law is like, I would not do that with your child. I would not leave my house, like two kids. I'm like, I just get, I just get like itchy to leave my house. Uh, pro
0: tip. If you go to any type of air museum, air force museum, space museum, all you got to do is get the astronaut ice cream for the kid and their whole day is made.
2: We did this trick where we just like walk in front of him in front of the uh, gift shop and then we leave so that we make sure he doesn't see it. So, so far that's, that's the only strategy I've, i from the one time I've been there before. So
0: that's awesome. All right. We ready to do this? Sound check done? Good. Here we go. Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the industry leaders at Do You Convert, where we talk about the current and future state of marketing and online sales for builders and developers across the globe. We're not here to sell you. We're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. Is there a topic you'd like us to cover or a question you'd like us to answer? We'll do it. Simply send an email to show at doyouconvert.com.
2: All right, let's get started. Welcome to episode 221 with Kevin Oakley, Jackie Lipinski, and Sarah Zimmerman.
0: All right, who's got a story time?
1: Yeah, I can start. Actually, Jackie and I just started with a new builder this month, and we just started ads about a week ago. Um and Jackie got an amazing phone call from her after what six days? Six days, six days after running the ads saying how great and qualified the leads are. And it was just really good to hear that feedback, especially in May, especially this time of year with a brand new builder. It's just yeah, really
2: awesome. it's it's always funny when a builder emails you, like, hey, do you have do you have a minute to talk? And you're like, all right, let's what is going on? How do we fix yep. this? And and we chatted about something else briefly, and then they just said, "Wow, it's it's only been six days, but the leads feel different. They feel more qualified. They feel like they have more intention. They're asking about specific homes. Like, what are you guys doing?" And we're just like, "It's it's the DYC yeah. strategy." So it. it you know, <laughs> I
0: think I've said this before, but it's always fun to start with a builder. In the spring, ideally, in a in a perfect world, we would make we would tell every builder we'll start working with you in like mid December and go full on launch January one because then everyone's minds are blown right from the beginning like what is happening, and if you start with a builder right around May June you kind of have to say look we're gonna things are gonna get better no doubt about it but you're not gonna feel the full impact of everything you do until you hit the spring market again and then you'll see that exponential. Mm-hmm. Kind of impact. So, yeah, definitely awesome to hear that kind of feedback. When the market's shifting in kind of the other direction for so many people, to have this person, kind of like a new buyer entering the market right now, who's like, I don't know what the price was yesterday. Just that price looks like something I can afford. I'm ready to go. I was just kind of, mm-hmm. I, I was on a call. And this is not my story time, but another builder partner, actually a nonth from EYA, and he said, I wish I could get out the clicky thing or the blinky thing from Men in Black. <laughs> and just zap everyone in my company, zap their memory of the last two years so that they could adapt faster to the current conditions. That was pretty funny.
1: That would be ideal.
2: Yeah, I had a builder in a meeting today say like, oh, and I was comparing to 2021 numbers, I was like, no, <laughs> no, stop. That's it's not the <laughs> well, same. You can. You, you can,
0: I mean, it do just, you like pain?
2: Yeah, just not not your old baseline. Yeah. So remember.
0: Actually, and that's the other thing, it, even though those are generalities, I was on a call with the builder today And their organic traffic is up 35% year over year in the same time period. Blew my mind. Yeah. All right, uh, Jackie, what do you got?
2: I have a fun one. So we have a builder kind of asking, we don't really do this, but sometimes you just need your hand held a little bit and they're asking for
0: just If you ask a, nicely enough, we do almost anything. Yeah. <laughs> we don't build websites <laughs> and we don't do SEO and we yeah, will not pretend but, but to be on social media, but the rest of yeah. it is negotiable.
2: Yeah. So this, this builder was like, Hey, we have, we have three name ideas for this community coming up. Can you just give us your feedback? And it kind of, you know, give me a flashback to some positive and negative stories I've, I've had in the past. And, um, so I just wanted to kind of give the people a quick rundown when the do's and do nots of naming a community. So do, do Google search the name. We just had a funny story internally from a team member who said they recommended a community name in a meeting, then Googled it and realized it was an inappropriate adult Professional, And so it became oh, a running joke in their company. Yeah. For, for years. And she's like, I, I didn't really recover from that. So uh, a simple Google search before you um, do that. And especially too, the, one of the names they had um, is actually a homebuilder's name in their area. And so we're like, don't name it this because you're just feeding that the flames of that other builder's, um SEO value.
0: Confusion will abound. Yeah.
2: A lot, a lot of confusion and they'll think they're related. So easy Google search. Second one, you can do like a Google keyword research and just see if you feel like your community name might be too generic, AKA I'm looking at all the enclave communities, every builder builds. But if you think your generic name name might be too generic, you can just do a search of Google keyword search because then you can kind of know like, okay, this is going to maybe cost me in the future if it is a little too short and if it is too generic and if I might be competing. With yeah,
0: them. on that end, I mean, I respect everyone at this organization and everyone always gets grumpy one way or the when I mention specific names, but like the new home company out in California, fantastic organization, amazing communities, amazing product, you know, one of the best CEOs, founders of anyone in the business, period. And yet I look at that and I think, what must the paid search campaign setup be like where you want you want to go after new homes in blank geography but it's like band-aid it's on one hand it's good to be the generic on the other hand are you going to get a whole bunch of traffic that's not looking for you that immediately bounces off or has a bad experience because you're it's so generic that and again the example there is Clayton North Carolina and then you've got Clayton Home Builders good good luck not having confusion of when people type in new homes, Clayton, North Carolina.
2: Mm -hmm. So I, I, yeah, the homework assignment there is just 15 minutes can really save you years of headache. If you actually do the the work beforehand. And then the third one, I'll tell a horrible story, was kind of also go above and beyond. If you are doing a master plan community, if you are doing a multifamily project, if you are doing anything larger, I highly recommend going to US, it's USPTO.gov slash trademarks slash search. And just searching the name you have against just trademarked items. I came into a project halfway through for a multifamily project. And we got a cease and desist letter because someone named it before I came on and no one double checked the name. And so we had spent the entire marketing budget marketing this thing as you know, X name and we didn't have any budget. And so unfortunately, we had to get creative and we literally just swapped a letter in the name because we couldn't get new signage. We couldn't do, yeah, we went low, the lowest. I
1: know, I know we had no money. So we, we had to, that's usually
0: how it happens. I bet I've heard this in the last seven or eight years, maybe six times where a master plan developer has gotten to the point of ordering signs and building a site and then getting a cease and desist and having to change it up. And More than likely that's going to be someone who it's like their first master plan and they're in their mind, it's just the same as another community. And they're like, I know there's a happy acres in Illinois, so I can just call my community happy acres in Kentucky. No big deal. No harm, no foul. It is a different animal when you go in the master plan world. Mm
2: -hmm. And and multifamily world. So just Mm -hmm. highly recommend Google, then keyword volume search if it's generic, and then go above and beyond with trademarking. And and that will be my... um, And also
0: other recommendation would be don't just call it like one, two, three main street. That drives me nuts. I mean, how much, how much lazier can you
2: get? We, this was kind of a topic in the internal marketing team. And we actually, Andrew sent over this website where it just, auto it grabs all the names from a ton of communities and it just auto-populates them. And that's almost basically what we used to do. We used to be safe. It'd be a bird name street, you know, enclave this, what, whatever kind of area it was. And then we'd just like kind of build this name and then we'd have three or four options scan it over with the team and then pick one and then and move forward but i do feel like if you're a marketer i don't name it like a baby don't tell anyone the name until the baby's born Um, and you've verified that that name is not is going to be okay and is a good google search and then move forward with it because if you want everyone's opinion you'll get everyone's opinion and i don't recommend that yeah so kevin what what fun story i know i think i know the one story you're gonna go I feel
0: like it's time to bring back the song um, because by the end of May, 90% of the home building world finally got to the point where some people were at the end of April, were saying like, okay, it's definitely slowing. It was pretty funny, not funny, but interesting, I guess. At the end of April and mid-May, there were still a lot of builders who were like, oh, that's cute for you, but not my market. My market's not slow. I don't have any any issues. Supply and demand is still so far off that I'm not nervous whatsoever. I'm not even thinking about adjusting in my approach to, to life in any way. And at this point, early June, everyone's kind of on the same page. And it's just brought back. I was telling Sarah, when we were doing the sound checks that it brings back a lot of things. So The first one is the impulse by upper management, ownership, division presidents, whoever, to just look at marketing and say, spend whatever you need to spend is kind of that initial reaction of, of, okay, like we cut back our spend when we didn't need it. So now just go crazy with spend and that will solve all of our problems, right? And it might, you definitely have to test that going in and you have to look at all of the conversion metrics in your market proof algorithm. And see how that's working. But very common in a in a down moving market is you can't spend your way out of it. Just like in 07 and 08, the first thing that most home builders did was say, okay, instead of just one full page ad in the paper, I'll make a two-page ad in the paper and spend twice as much. Now, there's so many things inherently that are challenging with that. The first is the audience looking at the paper is is by definition, the same size. So you're screaming at them louder. You're waving your hands more frantically. But if the message is basically the same and the audience is basically the same, is it really worth spending twice as much on it? You could argue that I guess in some cases, like search, maybe. So, you know, only so many people are typing in new homes, Dublin, Ohio in a given week. And so maybe spending the amount necessary to make sure that you get that click would be the one exception. But in almost every other exception, I just think it's interesting how how an initial reaction is spend whatever money is necessary. And a word of caution there is that resources are still limited. You're not entering some weird fantasy zone where there's this infinite supply of money both now and in the future. And so what happened before was that builders spent all this money trying to shout, 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 shout for as long as possible. And then when the money ran out and they realized in, in 07, it was that you need to pivot towards digital and stop doing some of these things in the traditional media, they didn't have the resources to pivot well. And so their their decline just kind of continued where, where by the time they realized they needed to invest heavily in search or their website or online sales position, they're like, oh gosh, I don't have the money for that. No, I mean, I almost wanted to curse there, but of course you don't have any money left because you spent it all on these stupid extra print ads. I think that's just really interesting in the backdrop of, of what, we, we don't really know exactly what's happening. I mean, we know rates are rising, we know costs are still high. We know people aren't putting their house in the market to the same degree that they were pre-pandemic, although the number of homes on the market has increased, I think 11% now over last year. It's kind of a reversion to the mean. So stick with me here for a second. If you look at Netflix stock, so Netflix, I think. Actually, let me do a quick check. Stock price. I believe we are down from the high. The high was six hundred. This is not a financial show, but six hundred seventy-eight dollars, roughly per share, was the high, and we are currently at one ninety-two. So, um, what is that? It's um, it's a lot less. So what what happened is that the whole world thought that, and Netflix in particular thought, oh my gosh, look at all these people watching all of our shows when they can't go anywhere, can't do anything. This must be how it's always going to be. This is our chance, triple triple down on expenses, spend all the money necessary to get all the content necessary, because people are going to stream like like nuts forever. And then they didn't. And now it's not worth uh, what what people thought it would be. Amazon is another good example of reversion to the mean. I'll explain more of what I mean by that in a second. But Amazon went out and hired an extra 100,000 people. They opened up warehouse more, more and more warehouses everywhere, building out their delivery network to a greater and greater degree. And then now, what are they doing? They're shutting down warehouse space. They're they're trimming their delivery network. They're saying, "Oh my gosh, we've over, we've created too much capacity now, and the demand is not there." And I saw a post on LinkedIn from someone outside of my network, and I couldn't go back and find it. But the St. Louis Fed does reporting on e-commerce sales. And it's it's just when I say reversion to the mean, if you look at the jump in e-commerce sales data from Q1 of 2020 to Q2 of 2020, it was a huge leapfrog moment. I mean, exponential hockey puck growth. But if you spread out and look at from where we were in 2019 to now where we are um, in second quarter of 2022, the same trend line kind of is in is in play, meaning that what happened is we spiked up really high and we are slowly reverting to the mean. The mean is just kind of the middle line. So you've got a top line, the highest that the stock has ever been or the lowest stocks ever been. And then the, and the trend lines right in the middle and we're reverting to the mean, which doesn't necessarily mean the, that the housing market is going to pop crash, et cetera. It just means that we're going kind of back in trend to where we were pre pandemic. And that, that does mean it's going to come down from where we are in terms of the hype, but. As we revert to the mean, what else does that mean? It means uh, buy online. Are, are we are we reverting to the mean? I think I think we are. I mean, the sarcastic part of me really wants to post somewhere that I'd love to see the in depth details of how the home builders with the buy now button are just thriving in this environment and just can't keep consumers from stopping. You know, please stop pushing that button. You just can't handle it anymore. No more buying online, please slow down. I'm pretty sure it's the same. As everyone else, uh, it hasn't saved them. It's a reversion to the mean. It's an additional step in the process, and people need to think about that and and move that way, but it's not it's not the savior, it's not the answer. It's not the be-all end all. The other part of reverting to the mean that I think is interesting is people going back and retesting things that I thought we all agreed were necessary. And what I mean by that is if you're not prepared, the alarm is coming from on-site sales saying, "Hey, we don't have as many leads to work anymore. And that online team, how come they get all the leads? They're just slowing this thing down. And, and if you just gave me the phones and you just sent those leads straight to me, I I'll take them. I mean, I, I got to work something. And what's interesting is hearing, not necessarily the builders we work with, but other builders that I'm just talking with or during training for in the future on site is, they're like, yeah, we're really struggling with should we should we or shouldn't we just give those leads back? And I'm like, whoa, whoa. I thought this was a settled deal. I mean, the online sales position really was built out and thrived in the last downturn. It was created because of the downturn of every lead being so important that it was worth having an immediate personalized response. And And so it's just interesting that Partly because again, so many people in our industry have not been around that long, that you need to be prepared as a leader in sales and marketing to continue to re-educate and as we revert to the mean and some of these things that in your mind are settled, don't be surprised if they're not settled in everyone else's minds and you have to go back and rework it. And, and that might sound mentally exhausting, but you need to be ready to do that. And, and that's not the, you know, another example is social ads don't work. I, and then that one just continues to surprise me. Well, you've been spending a lot of money on it for the last two or three years. Uh, yeah, but we just decided they don't work anymore. Huh. Okay, it, why? Well, because there aren't sales happening in the same way. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so no one uses social media. Nope, no one. I mean, that that's that's the kind of rever- reverting to the mean thinking that you just have to keep educating and and guiding people along to to understand. So yeah, and unfortunately,
2: my... we have a a builder who made that sharp turn, and now they're going oops. And so yeah, not not that. someone
0: that we do the actual. And this again, some people listen to the show have no idea even what we really do at D Convert. But there are builders who we turnkey help their team complete all the digital marketing, advertising work that they they need to get done. And there's some that we just coach and advise. And this was a coach advise situation. But they 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 turned off all of their social ads uh, at the end of April. And then um, they get on in May, at the end of May, and say, Mayday, Mayday, our leads have dropped by 40%. Our organic traffic has dropped by 25%. Our total website traffic has dropped by like 33 35%. What should we do? And it's like that thing you turned off, you should turn, it doesn't have to be turned back on all the way to the same spend that it was, but you should not have just turned all of it off all at once. And so the, the last thing on the story time, and we don't have to go into this in depth, but If you want homework, you can just kind of think through what this means in more concrete ways to your own organization, but make sure that you're using the data and the reports in your company to inform the decisions that need to be made and not allowing the leadership team to just look at what the data is telling them in black and white and saying, that's it. The decision has already been made. Look at the data. The data should inform good decision-making, good discussion around the leadership team on what needs to be done. And you need to have a healthy discussion. You can't just look at a lead attribution report and say, well, it says all the leads come from this, so cut everything else. You can't just look at a cost per lead or a cost per sale number and say that means this needs to change. It needs to inform the discussion. But if you let it make the decision for you, it's going to lead you down a path that is often not the right right direction to go. Otherwise, we just put a robot in charge of it's like a bunch of if-then statements. If Cosperly gets to this, do that. But thankfully or unthankfully, it's not not that simple.
2: Yeah, I was talking to another marketer actually about that. And I was like, if you need a visual, think of, you know, if upper management is the head, you're the neck and you need to be able to turn them in the direction they need to go. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I actually I did a I did a presentation to a corporate group earlier this week. They have like 15 home building divisions and I showed them a picture of Michael Scott from the office. And I said, this isn't meant to be offensive saying that you are like this leader, but this guy was a leader at a company and he made a lot of decisions with not a lot of good information or intuition. And so all I'm trying to help you understand is that most of you in this room, as division presidents or or company leaders, have not run digital ads, haven't spent a lot of time thinking about the psychology of the customer haven't been through all of Jeff Shore's sales psychology training programs, haven't, you know, built a website. And yet at some point, you're the ones making the call on, on big decisions. What, what should we invest lots of money and time and energy into? And so you've got to come up with a better way to solve it than just the fear, uncertainty, and doubt of did you hear, you know, home builder X is doing this? Maybe we should do it too. I mean, it's, it's, I have, I have heard that sentence more from marketing leaders who have sent me a quick text or email or called me and said, Hey, my boss just showed me what another builder is doing. And they wonder, are wondering if we should do it.
1: They had that conversation all of the time with my (laughs) leadership, but
0: yeah. Yeah. You need to be aware of what's happening in the marketplace, but that there's a company that I know of right now that is perceived to be successful and is actually either going to go out of business or be sold to someone else but the whole world would think that it is successful and if they did something you would say "Hmm, should we copy that no because they're they're not going to be around soon <laughs> at least not in the same way they are now so you got to be really careful about that kind of stuff really careful all right now a quick word from our supporting partner at Door. Are you not taking contingencies? Opendoor creates more opportunities by sending customers a preliminary offer within minutes. Plus, as a builder sales associate, you can provide a flexible close date to help customers avoid double moves and mortgages by closing anytime from 14 days to nine months. Go to opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn more about how you can partner with Opendoor. I just saw on uh, LinkedIn a couple of different celebratory posts also, by the way, of uh, someone from Opendoor visiting a builder and them like kicking off the program, which is fun to see too. So anything that can add certainty to the experience is is a big premium right now. big premium. I know story time's over. can I go back on one
2: other thing? Yeah I'll allow it.
0: <laughs> so the most important thing that marketers in most markets and at most builders need to be thinking about is how to improve conversions. All of the data that I can see so far has told me that for the most part, website traffic is not is not the problem like if a builder's sales are down 25 percent, and your website traffic is only down five percent that's not that's not the thing that changed that's impacting conversions the most is not the lack of of traffic to the site it is conversion rate and you can try again to just spend your way out of a bad conversion rate that's not, a good, that's not a good idea most of the time. And the good news is there's a lot of things that as marketers we can't control around ad costs. Again, New Homes Dublin, there's only so many people who are gonna type in that search and there's a whole bunch of builders who want to win that search. And in an auction-based format, it might be out of my hands of the cost per click. If I want that click, it's just gonna keep getting higher and higher. And, and it's just a decision of, do I wanna pay that or not? Well, we have complete control over things that impact conversion rate. And what I mean by that is turning chat back on, allowing text message leads to come through again, removing the number of questions, removing required phone numbers, improving the quality of the content, anything, even to the extent, and I know I'll get taken out of context and, and in big trouble for saying this, but you can even lie. I'm not saying you should, but I'm saying you can. You control what is on your own website. Your website is, is ultimately liable for conversion. It, it is it is the responsibility of your website and you to make sure that leads convert, assuming that you get them from quality sources using the correct methods. When that person gets to your site, the website has to convert. And so you could even say, uh, move in tomorrow or new homes from the 100s. It would be a lie. You shouldn't do that, but you could because it's under your control. And so I just think as marketers, you have to get excited about understanding that you can have an impact on conversion rates. You can better copy, better calls to action, more certainty, hitting standard objections. Like I think it's pretty common now for a lot of builders to have a buy down or an interest rate promotion of some type right out of the gate. Why would you do that? Because you know that the consumer is coming with that objection somewhere in their mind. So you're just meeting them where they are at the moment Some people might look at it and say, well, I don't want to talk about rates because maybe they don't even, they don't necessarily know what rates mean or what affordability impacts it has. They just know that when you think about interest rates, scary things happen inside of your brain. That's all they know. And so by you Especially
1: the media right now, there's talk about interest rates all over the place. So even if they don't mm -hmm. understand what it means for them, um, they know that high interest rates is bad and it's in their mind. Mm
0: -hmm. Right. And so again, you might get the approval from your leadership to spend an extra twenty grand a month in advertising. But if you could go back and say, and and I've even seen this, you know for for one neighborhood that's absolutely struggling, they're like, whatever it takes, spend it." But if you spent twelve grand and and spent th- three grand um, for four different buyers to get them a better rate, uh, and you already have those prospects in hand, You can secure for sales versus an unknown. We don't know what's going to happen if we spend 12 Mm -hmm. grand. And that's the last thing is um, just a quick thing that got unlocked in my brain was one of the, some of the things we did at Heartland. We called it the um, builder confidence program, I think. And it included a couple of things. It was um, uh, if your existing house doesn't sell by the time your new house is done, we'll pay your mortgage payment on your, on your existing home for up to three additional months. You know, the average time on market was 90 days, which is three months. So if you don't sell your house, then we're so confident that we'll pay your, your payment up to 10 grand or whatever. And over two and a half years, I think we paid that out four or five times. And of those times, most of them weren't even the full amount. It was just one or two payments. And then again, they just want to get in the new house, get the other one sold. But they had to list with an agent. You couldn't for sale by owner. It was a pool of five agents that we pre-selected. Said we recommend working with any of these five. So we weren't steering. But that way they were working with a professional who did a competitive market analysis, told them what their home was likely to be worth, went through the program. We also did a price protection where if your base price went down uh, prior to start, we would re-see the difference because our base prices, apples to apples, never went down. We just repackaged. So you couldn't build the same thing for the same amount. And then just tons of articles about why your market is different. And not that it's always true again, but... There's always an article about why, like, I'm sure, Jackie, you could pull up an article right now that says that, you know, Renton is the best place to live in, in America. Mm-hmm. Sarah, you could do the same for Phoenix. I could do the same for Columbus. Pulling that stuff to say, regardless of all the other noise around the country, this is a great place to live and it's different and unique. Um, so, yeah. All right. Now on to the news for reels. First up from Zillow dot com housing market not hot but not a bubble economists say 60 percent of housing experts polled by zillow don't believe the housing market is in a bubble compared to 30 percent 32 percent who do the panel expects to see a short recession by 2024 as the federal reserve works to tame inflation and they raised home price growth forecast for 2022 as demand stays strong so they think prices are going to continue to go up and it's hot but not a bubble what do you guys think
2: yeah. I mean, I, I think there is, you know, you, you hear from Ivy you hear from all these other professionals too. And I, I think also what we were just talking about is what, what are people being influenced in the daily news? And so while we do have these professionals, I think it also goes down to a, a lower level of if the news continues to trend and treat it negatively, I think that is how people will also perceive it. And so, you know, you, we can project all we want, but I I also feel like it's going to be in the hands of the individuals who where I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people really put their housing shopping journey on pause because of just so, so many variables. And what you were saying is as a builder, what we want to do is build confidence and make them feel confident. But I just think even like, you know, I think just this morning, the fed said that they're going to raise interest rates again in July. And so they're projecting out, but it still feels like we're, we're kind of living Week to week at this point, and so I don't, I don't necessarily know if I agree or disagree because I feel like we, you just have to take everything um, daily at this rate. What's, what's your take, Sarah?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I don't see a lot of the bubble um, mm-hmm. happening. I mean, it, it does feel like, like you were talking about the stock market earlier, and kind of getting going back to the, the mean. Mm -hmm. Um, I definitely see that coming. Mm -hmm. I I don't know that we're going to be seeing dropping in pricing, but repackaging and slowing down a little bit and getting back to where we were, which honestly feels a little bubblish after how busy we were last year and Mm -hmm. how many homes we were selling. It makes it feel like a bubble to me. It doesn't really look like it's getting back to like, it's not the same as it was.
2: I mean, Mm -hmm. it's something completely different. And even when we touched on earlier, you know, and the marketer was like, oh, I'm comparing 2021 data. It's like, well, we have aggregated data since 2019. And just those 2020 and 2021 are just so off the charts that we really like to now compare against 2019 numbers to make people feel more comfortable. And if you don't have that data to go further back on as a builder, it probably feels a little uncomfortable. But yeah, if you're entering the, the market, you know it is it is what it is. So your take, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I my thought is that you have to remember that real estate and new home building are two different things. Like home building is part of the bigger real estate picture, but home building and real estate are not the exact same thing. And so I think that causes a lot of confusion when people look at the data and they say, yeah, I mean, how likely is it that nationally all home prices are going to be under pressure? That's only happened twice before the great recession and the great depression. So that's not really what I'm looking at. I think some markets, like um, there's a, a tweet here from a gentleman named Paul Kodrosky, who's uh, quoting, um, let's see, I don't know what the actual article is here. Uh, but I mean, markets with a premium or discount to what fair value is. And again, I don't have time on the show, to. but, but Boise, Idaho, 72% premium. To fair value, Austin, Texas, 67%, Ogden, Utah, 64%, Las Vegas, 61%. Those markets are going to have a reversion to the mean. There is no question about it. Does that mean the same thing as a bubble bursting? No. Um, does it mean that home building might be impacted outsized compared to the general real estate market? Yes, I, I do. If If we don't see reductions of cost in materials, supply, and land as rates stay where they are and or move higher. We still haven't proven that inflation has stopped uh, yet. And so there's no telling that, that the Fed won't continue to raise rates beyond what they're already saying they're going to do. And so if that's the case, builders will not build if they cannot sell. I mean, again, you've got, I know this is like extremely basic, but I just feel like it has to be laid out this way. If I own a house and I bought it for 400, it used to be worth 600 and now it's worth 450. I'm not underwater, right? I might not get what I wanted to. And that might make me say, you know what? I'm not going to participate in the real estate market at this time. I'm just going to keep living in my home or I'm going to rent it. I'm not going to sell it because I'm going to wait. A builder looks at it and says, I can't make money building a house on this lot. I don't think I'm going to do it. They're just going to not, they're going to wait for someone inventory will not be built the same way that it has been built. And pre-sales will, will be what drives most of the market. And if we don't get enough pre-sales, more homes won't be built. So I think home building has the potential to be impacted much to a much greater degree than most of these other articles like you read it and you're like, oh, the housing market's going to be fine. That can be true and home building cannot be fine at the same time. Now again, the other part about house price and valuation that I was in this conversation with economists a couple months ago, which I had never really thought about, you know land has historically been the premier appreciating asset. like the house is kind of neutral to maybe appreciating, but it's really the land underneath. But the replacement costs of the house is also growing dramatically. So so as long, again, as costs of material and labor, it's not just the land and the location that's gaining value. The actual cost just to replace the sticks and bricks compared to a year ago is dramatically higher, which means that the the actual price is not a bubble. Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. if it burned down, your insurance company would likely, If it, for most people listening, again, I think I said this before, but this is a PSA. If your house you're in right now burned down and you haven't had it reappraised and revalued by your insurance company, most likely they would come to you and say, hey, Sarah, we're really sorry. It's going to cost a million dollars to rebuild your $600,000 house, but we're going to give you a check for six fifty. dollars Good luck with that. Because the replacement cost has risen that dramatically. So I think that's also where real estate as a whole, the housing market nationally i don't know that you can say we're in a bubble but individual markets yes and and will new home builders be impacted more than the general market i believe so
2: so yeah i i've started a word document kevin of um, okay addictions. so i'm putting this i'm putting oh good in there and i'm i'm gonna start just that's good because i
0: only remember the ones try. i get right so you can help keep. no
2: worries yeah oh, i'll call you out,
0: so. yeah that's awesome all right. Up next from Apple, they rolled out a new API kit called Room Plan. It's actually part of the Swift API that utilizes the camera and LIDAR on your phone to create a 3D floor plan of a room, including key characteristics such as dimensions and types of furniture. So if you're aware of Zillow's 3D tour capability within the phone, or you think of Matterport-like results within within the confines of your of your phone device. Now, this isn't you know the way this works is um you can get a dev kit and start playing around with this. But what will happen is that third party developers will use this technology. It gives them it gives those developers access to this technology within the phone to then build apps that you can download and use to make it more friendly for the average person to do so. And so at the end of the day, there will be premium versions of this. There will be free versions of this. But um, it's pretty darn cool if you, if you watch the demo uh, in particular, which those always look cool. That's what Apple does really well, if nothing else, is make their demos look fantastic. Um, but this is really exciting because it's going to continue to democratize the ability to get really good virtual experiences of homes you're trying to sell.
2: Yeah, there be a, there's going to be a new baseline, I think, of expectations that buyers are are definitely going to anticipate. And hopefully it kind of maybe creates some opportunities for builders to to work with those companies. And maybe all the thousands of companies that are out there and, and relied upon, you know, just now has to be Apple. And that's the target they're trying to hit. So, yep. Sense.
0: Also, uh, next up from digiday.com, iOS 16 spares ad tech further anguish. For now, but more privacy clampdowns are expected. Uh, the kickoff date for Apple's uh, conference uh, had been one the digital advertising industry has circled on its collective calendar with a sense of trepidation for good reasons. Because tracking transparency, hide my email, private relay, tracking prevention, all these things Apple was saying, nope, you can't get more data. They haven't tightened the screws any further with iOS 16 but that doesn't mean that they're not going to. And also, I'd also just wonder, at some point, Apple's going to come out and say, but we still have access to all this data. And if you want it, you're just going to have to pay us for it. I think they're just waiting to, to let things calm down enough where the outcry won't be deafening. But that's my hunch is that eventually, when, when they need the stock price to get up, they'll just be like, hey, Meta, Google, all these other companies, if you want this data back, we'll anonymize it and aggregate it, but we'll sell it back to you for a couple billion dollars
1: a year. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised.
2: Uh I I think there's also an opportunity to approach you personally and be like, do you want a discount on your phone for like more clear information of you being shared? But I don't, I don't necessarily know how the, yeah,
0: that's, that's interesting. It goes back to the whole concept of advertising generally being a tax on the poor, because if you're rich enough, you just pay to skip the ads or to not have ads (laughs) So it, I can see that happening, but then from a home builder's perspective, unless you're going really entry level, you're not necessarily getting data on the customers that you really want to get the data on either in that case. yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of like the Amazon uh, Kindle that I have. I have a paper paper light, I think it's called, just for when I go to the beach. I, I don't really use it unless I go to the beach and then I can take my Kindle and sit uh, in the sun and still see the see the screen. But it was like, do you want the... One hundred and fifty version, one hundred and fifty dollars version with built-in ads, which I don't even know what it means. I just was like, uh, "Heck no!" Or do you want the version that's ad-free for an extra fifty dollars? And I was like, "I'm not. Yeah. I don't want ads sent to me randomly. Thanks."
1: I've actually been getting ads from Apple on like social media recently, talking about how many different trackers apps have. I'm like, I don't know if they're trying to sell me a phone, but I'm here on my iPhone. I thought that's it was a weird advertising message. You haven't been seeing those? No. I just saw my first
2: commercial where they, okay. it's like a woman walks into a room and they're trying to auction off her private information. And then she uses her iPhone and she unclicks like the, she makes sure she's not being, and then everything dissipates. And I was like, oh, that's the first time I've seen that kind of yeah. commercial where it's really trying to focus on like with an iPhone, you're very secure and it's the only way you're going to be secure. On yeah, so internet.
0: that's what's fascinating about that is I'm pretty sure like when you got the option on, on iOS, was it 14 or 15 where it said like, do you want to allow people to track you? I hit yes. Cause that's the world I live in, right? I don't go ahead and track me all you want. Do you remember what you hit?
1: I think I said, no, I don't remember. I hit something. I think I hit, no,
0: I bet you hit no. And so then that would lead me to pontificate that what Apple is doing is they know that you said, no, and they're hoping that by sh- sharing that message with you, you continue to feel great about the fact that you have an iPhone because of privacy, because they they sense that you care about it. And maybe I have not seen any of this because they're already okay, like, yeah. that kid I'll has no morals whatsoever. What He'll let anyone track him <laughs> and send him <laughs> messages. Who knows? Last up from roadandtrack.com. Yes, you heard that right. Roadandtrack.com is one of our last story for today. Ford CEO says zero negotiation pricing transactions necessary for the EV business. CEO Jim Farley says the company has to build out its infrastructure to support online delivered zero negotiation sales. And so what's interesting is basically this is Ford saying, we're going to create a division of our company. That's all the electric vehicles will be, will be sold similar in similar style and approach to how Tesla Mm -hmm. does their sales.
2: Yeah. I I mean, they're taking inspiration for success and trying to cut out, you know, I, I think just more variables in how they sell a product and make sure that their their margins are more consistent. So I think it's a good thing. I did see. I think the Ford one hundred and fifty that irked Elon is that it has a Tesla charging, like it can jumpstart a, a Tesla in case the Tesla runs out. Oh, that's hilarious. On it, and he was like, "But in you know, it's like ah, that is funny." But also, like, these are things people need that might need, you know, it's just like jumper cables in any car that you can help a person. And so it is nice that, that um, there's more support with it. And so, I mean, my husband and I, we would love an electric vehicle, but everything is just so, so dang crazy. And, but I think this is just such a uh, interesting way that they're approaching it too, where they're like, all right, that has seen success for a long period of time. And now we are adopting it. I'm sure it's going to, more and more companies are going to adopt the Tesla method.
0: There's a lot of things that go into why Tesla did what it did. Doesn't have franchise, doesn't follow some of the same rules and laws that would go with having an actual dealership. So there's some like tax advantages and cost savings that the average person might not think about. But at the end of the day, the product is designed to create such demand for it that it doesn't require the same amount of advertising because the product itself is does such a good job of explaining why you would want it and creating that, that desire. They can't build them fast enough. Right. So when you, when, as soon as it's done, you just deliver it to the customer versus having to have it sit on a lot, then suddenly you don't have to worry about any of that. It just makes me wonder again, kind of this concept of reverting to the mean. I'm all for it. Like I think the the whole concept of even home builders creating a separate home building brand or entity that would go through kind of the same, like I I envision actually, let me go back to your prediction word, Doc Jackie, human interaction will become a luxury that not everyone will be able to afford to have. Meaning entry-level price point homes, I could see going down again, kind of that century complete model of take it or leave it, here's what it is, it's already in your construction, what do you even need to talk to a person for? You don't, because it's all included or you don't get it or the answer is no. Take it or leave it, here it is. Whereas having the ability to interact with a human being will be a luxury for those who want it. Not that it'll be required, but for those who want it, it'll be a luxury for the mid tier and higher price tiers. But I I think this concept of a home's under 300,000, it's all online, it's inventory driven, you don't get to make choices. Mm -hmm. Homes over 400,000, you get to make some choices. You can talk to a human being, you can personalize and pre order, kind of like a Tesla or a Ford and have this um, this more curated, luxurious, in some sense, experience in comparison. But I guess the reversion to the main question I have is, do you think that not having cars on lots is the best thing though, either?
2: You know, like, the question was about test driving. I am a person. I mean, there there are elements in a car I look forward to and I like, and I I dislike. Or the shoulder. You know, I'm a surprisingly tall person. Like my head needs to fit in in cars a certain way, and I just need to make sure the back seat has enough room for my car seat for my kid. And so there there are certain things I like, but it's also reminding me of like, is it also just the buy now button? Is it one of these things of okay, but what happens? when there is inventory, like, what are you going to do and where is that going to go? And once, once it does hit that medium and and the demand is kind of like flatlined, like is that still, you know, are, is it going to be offside or do you want to take advantage of putting them in places that people can see and get people more interested? So I don't know if you have any takes, Sarah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I was thinking the same thing. Like I pass by a car dealership, like every time. Go out anywhere and it's empty and it's so weird, it's like a ghost town in there, but eventually there's gonna be inventory back, and it will be interesting to see if they start putting them in the dealerships as well as doing the online, or potentially have one like a model home, like a model in mm-hmm. a dealership that you then have to buy. One no one gets yeah. to buy it, but you get a look yeah. at it, and then
0: they're yeah. saying though. I mean, I'm a child, I was born in 1981, I'm a child of
1: the
0: 80s. Does everyone here remember a little company called Saturn? Mm -hmm. Saturn car company. The whole thing was we don't negotiate. You pay the price that's on the car. And so I I think, again, some of this is is organizations using terminology and and things that are on trend to try to create additional value for their shareholders is is what I'm picking up here is Mm -hmm. like, yeah, Mm -hmm. fixed price. Awesome. Who wouldn't like to have fixed price as long as the price is fair? But what is it about selling the car online specifically that the customer is always going to say, yes, please. Meaning, is it really a benefit that I have to wait a year to pick up my Ford Lightning? No, I couldn't. Couldn't I buy it there at a fixed price Mm -hmm. with a click of a button at the dealership and just be done with the transaction in three seconds, but actually get my car right now? Like, I just, I don't know if, if online on its own, and it goes back to this concept of, is it better or is it the best possible, like ideal scenario? The ideal scenario is give the customer the choice to do whatever the hell they want.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Is it better? I mean, I guess, cause you can't get it. Like there is no Ford lightning on a lot. They'll have one there. I'm sure for people to test drive Jackie and just look yeah. at, but anyway, um, good job Ford on catching up to Tesla after what, seven, eight years of yeah, them doing it that time. way. <laughs>
2: And we do have a question of the week from last week. We had, uh, it was me, Jen, and Andrew. And uh, the question from Jen came up of, she's just saw this significant decrease in online sales where when they interview them, they say your follow-up, you know, you have a very significant and important job to be doing this follow-up process. And after the interviews, it was just crickets. You know, 10, 15% was all she was seeing from this follow-up of online sales who just applied to be this very, You know, person who that's their job and that's the responsibility. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you you don't know, but my husband's been in recruiting for forever. And I asked him his opinion, and I was like, "What are you seeing?" He's like, "Yeah, ten to fifteen percent usually respond. Not expected, but appreciated." And he's like, "It usually does move the little the needle a little in terms of just what people that's what people kind of expect or appreciate." And so, we did ask in the Facebook group, then you know what. When you were hiring for position, do you then this is marketing and online sales um, expect an email slash call from the person you interviewed? And so, seventy four percent said yes. I hundred percent expect the person I interviewed to send a follow up uh, a thank you. Uh, Zero percent said um, if you follow up if the follow up is going to be part of your position, then yes. And then um, three percent said depends person and position. Fourteen percent no, it's not nineteen ninety eight. And then, um, and Jessica Sadell, um, added another line. I don't expect it, but it is a nice touch. And then we had a couple people leaving comments, just talking about, I do appreciate hearing about it, but she also spun it as I always, they can always expect to hear from us. We will never ghost a client. And maybe that's the twofold yeah. is like people just have continued to be ghosted. And so their expectations have been lowered. And so they expect also for you to lower your standards. But I think, um, I think it just just show love, little different levels of professionalism for for builder and interviewee. Uh, What's your take, Kevin? This
0: is shocking to me that there's even anyone voting for anything else other than they always expect it. Like I, I just can't. I guess that's why
2: Jen was like, "Am I out of touch?" And it was like, you know, yeah. it was. So I'm more-
0: silently judging the 14 percent who said no. It's not 1998. And when I look in there. Uh, at least those people there now, I'm guessing that everyone in this group, let me see, everyone is under the age of 36, 35 years old. So I think it's a little bit of like, I I don't know (laughs) the ultimate old man comment of like, like, and I get it. I don't, I will, I refuse to wear a tie unless, unless like my wife demanded it. I would never wear a tie again. I'm not going to. So I think a little bit of us is, is kind of like, oh, come on, that's outdated. It's old fashioned. Uh, you don't need to. And, and I don't think it necessarily has to. It could be any medium, but some type of follow up. Mm-hmm. And it reminds me of uh, I think it was Jeff Shores, who Jeff Shore, who always used to say and probably will continue to say, um, you don't get what you deserve. You get what you expect in terms of your spouse, your whatever. Like if you don't have high expectations, you're going to get something that's not very great. Um, so that's just interesting to me that, that as people who are making hiring decisions, it wouldn't be a requirement.
2: One of, one of my things though, Kevin was, I remember in college and stuff, like there's just no courses. No one really tells you the etiquette and you kind of have to learn the etiquette. Cause I even had a friend who went into an interview and they're like, oh, and can you tell me it? They're like, oh, you know, she was going for a teacher and they're like, oh, have you had difficulty in a classroom before? And she went, Yes. Like not understanding, you're supposed to tell a story. You're supposed to explain a hardship. Uh-huh. You're supposed, and and it's just one of those things of, I, I think you're right though. There might be this age gap where it's just like, oh, well that's expected. We don't need to tell these people and they might not know, Like mm, you need to be doing this and it will get you ahead. And it is, again, not expected.
0: I don't know, was I the only kid who like your parents made you as soon as your birthday party was over, sit down and spend like two hours of your life with your there arm you about to fall off from pain, writing there. thank you notes,
2: right? Yeah,
1: I was there. Nope. Birthdays and
2: Christmas. No. I never I never You never said existed. thank you for any
0: birthday gifts you got as a kid I would kid? talk
2: to them. Jackie. I would, I would have to to gotta... them in person. <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> it was like I, at the I, party. I like... make my kids do emails. So I don't make them do the handwritten. Yeah, right, right. I, I we do emails or even text messages. yeah, like video. Text yeah, I'll send a picture with someone. the kid
2: with the present and yeah. say, Oh my god, they're having so much fun. Thank you. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. that's, that's the But name. yeah, I would sit
1: down and just hand write them all out. It's never
0: and, and even in a remote work environment, I think that becomes even more important. Like if you are trying to preserve any form of culture in a remote working situation, if people are not going to be proactive, I mean, it's very easy for you to sit in your room and just do your stuff and mm-hmm. be in your own world, but you, you've got to be able to be proactive with your teammates. That'd be another thing that would concern me is if someone was going to be working remotely and yet they wouldn't follow up. And you be like, eh.
2: Yeah. So, well, the, the feedback from Jen was, you can almost tell who's going to succeed by who actually does it. So yeah. while it wasn't required, the people who did it almost always were superstars. And the people who didn't, she would always- I for,
0: What's the exact never... number? Isn't it on our website somewhere? Like 400 online salespeople we've helped hire since <laughs> Ooh, yeah. the company was started. Some, somewhere it is- Something like that. It is in there. But I bet you less than- of them were ever hired without a follow-up. And that's probably where we said we wouldn't recommend it. And someone else said, we are going to hire them anyway, Mm -hmm. based upon not following up.
2: And then we did not have success with those people in that role. So pretty much. Don't
1: lower your expectations.
0: Mm -hmm. All right. That'll do it for this week. For videos, articles, blog posts, and more, visit it. No, I don't have to do that.
1: No, you don't have to. We just,
2: we we need to come with a new closure. like, Leave I that know, in because that was awesome. <laughs> Thanks
1: Thanks, <See> everyone. <laughs> All right, bye. bye.
0: Marketproof Marketing is proudly supported by Opendoor. Visit opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn how you can partner with Open Door to increase certainty, speed, and ease for your home buyers. All opinions expressed by me, Andrew Peak, Jackie Lipinski, and our castmates are solely our own opinions. View hundreds of articles, videos, and more for free at doyconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on social networks or in real life. Now get to work and make sure your company is market-proof.